Ladies and gentlemen. Pacific Sound Radio. Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson. And I'm Travis Noel. Ludic are a virtuoso power trio whose modern soul sound combines elements of jazz, pop, funk, and rock in a colorful, melodic, and technically flawless package. They're some of the most accomplished musicians playing in the Vancouver music scene right now, whose popularity only seems to keep growing with each passing month. The band's five singles have collectively clocked over a million streams, with their most recent release, Want You, hitting 30,000 streams in their first two weeks of release. With their debut album set for release this year, Ludic are on an exciting upward trajectory. Um, let's do some quick introductions. What is your name and what do you play? My name is Ayla Teslermave, and in this group, I find myself playing guitar most of the time and doing some singing. I try to play the vibraphone whenever I can, and what other, or whatever other instruments we need to play in the studio, we're always hopping around on different instruments. Um, my name's Rhett, and I play the drums in Ludic. Good stuff. So how did you each get into music and what made you decide to that you wanted to become musicians great question actually quick disclaimer i should say we are missing our other last member Mm -hmm. max unfortunately he is stuck in seattle right now but he is an incredible bass player multi-instrumentalist extraordinary wonderful person and yeah to answer your question I think for me personally, I really fell in love with music when I started playing the video game Rock Band because I would be playing these fake plastic instruments and just thinking to myself, wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. I can only imagine how much better it would be, it would be if I was playing you know, a real instrument <laughs> instead of a video game controller. So that kind of started things, and then from there it's just became like an exponentially growing love yeah i think it's something similar for me um i also really enjoyed guitar hero and i wanted to learn how to play guitar and um when i went to take lessons from somebody i i was really young at the time and my arms were a little too short and my fingers weren't really working the way that i i thought they would um (laughs) So I, I started playing drums instead. And I guess from then it just it started to work at the beginning and I just stuck with it. And over time I grew a fondness towards playing drums. Yeah. Rhett wanted to play the guitar so badly he became an amazing drummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I imagine, Rhett, that uh, you've probably determined you made the right choice in terms of just being able to find gigs and find bands. Yeah, it's worked out pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I may be biased, but I'm very glad that he took up the drums because he is just the most tasteful, artistic drummer around town, and Ludic would be very different if he wasn't playing the drums. So, there we go. Especially yeah. without those fills. Oh, yeah. Right. It's true. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's true. Because I did get a chance <laughs> to see you folks 
as of this recording earlier this week for the most recent Let's Hear It live showcase. That was my first time getting to see you guys live, actually. Mm. That's so cool. Thank yeah. you so much for being there. Yeah. That was a really fun gig to play. We were just in the studio the past few days, and we jetted over from the studio out in Port Coquitlam all the way over to downtown Vancouver. And it was great fun. It was. Yeah. It's f- funny that both of you mention rock band and Guitar Hero, because I always found that like that those video games have an interesting legacy with music fans of a certain generation, because I remember playing those games yeah. and, and really enjoying them. And in an odd way, I think it might have inspired a lot of, a lot of people to start playing. Yeah, I think so. Like, I'm, I hear a surprising amount of musicians that I really love who are around my age who say that they kind of got their start you know, playing the video games and then took up the real thing shortly after. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. And even just the song selection, I think, helped introduce some people to some bands, possibly. Oh, definitely. I think a lot of my music taste when I was younger was very influenced by rock band. And still, some of my favorite classic rock songs from my youth and also I think probably for the rest of my life I found through rock band so thank you curators of music at Electro Harmonic Studio nope that's not the name of the studio that's that's a guitar pedal brand what's it called I don't know something onyx I this is horrible that I don't know because it's actually my favorite game ever yeah I should have never started this sentence because <laughs> I can't finish it <laughs> I I don't know for sure, so I'm going to be kind of talking out of my wherever uh, at the moment. But um, <laughs> I know they, they tried, there was another company, or it might have been the same company, they tried to do uh, Rocksmith, which was yeah, like actually teaching you how to play the instrument. Yeah, I actually tried that very briefly. When I was younger and I really wanted to play music but hadn't really gotten into it yet, my mom was so wonderful and supportive. She got the game Rocksmith for me one time after a dentist appointment, I recall. I don't know why I remember that detail specifically, but (laughs) I had my dentist appointment. I got home. I started playing Rocksmith. I found that it didn't quite work for me in terms of learning the instrument and like the way I think of music and all that, but I can see why. It would help someone very much. It's a very cool concept for a game. There are a couple of videos on YouTube, and I actually was able to learn a, a Joy Division song from one bass video that they uploaded. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So clearly, they're doing something right. Yeah, I think they only released one version of it, because, you know, Guitar Hero and Rock Band had its time in the sun, and then... Indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how did you three... Three. Max is obviously not here. But uh, how did you meet and decide to form Ludic? Um, well, Ayla had put out sort of a, like... Facebook post. Yeah, like a Facebook post wondering if there's any other musicians in the area. And we met at a jam um, about two years ago now in the summer. And I initially just came out and played the drums with Ayla and a few other musicians that were there for the night. And we found that, like, musically the dynamic was really great and... Uh, we ended up going out to another jam with my brother, and we formed Ludic, the three of us. And, yeah. The rest is history. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and we started writing music together almost immediately, which is really cool, because 
I hadn't had that experience before where with a lot of the musicians I played with, it was very much like a cover focus sort of thing, like learn other people's music and try to get all your parts down. Kind of like real life rock band, the video game, <laughs> as we were talking about earlier. But then we were playing together and actually I remember at the jam where we met, Rhett and Max got up and started playing some original music that they had written. And I thought that was so cool because to be writing from such a young age is not something you encounter all the time, or at least I hadn't with a lot of the musicians that I had known up until that point. So yeah, when we started writing together, in my head I was like, okay, this is definitely going somewhere in terms of the chemistry and just, I think we had so much room to grow together as musicians and especially songwriters and artists and all that good stuff. Yeah, and is Ludic basically your first band like for all three of you? Um, uh, Ludic isn't my first band. I was also, I've been in bands for a while. I, I don't know about, I was probably 11 years old. Um, just forming different versions of bands with my brother mainly. And yeah, Ludic, I, I would say is like around my third band. Yeah, for me, I had a trio that I played with all throughout high school and middle school as well, I guess, uh, with two friends. That I went to school with, of course, and yeah, we just played a lot of covers, and it was really fun. And obviously, through that, the bass player that I played with in that trio ended up playing with me in another band called Calpurnia that is now over, but was sort of starting at the same time as Ludic, way back in 2017. <laughs> wow, very long time ago. And obviously, that band just due to the nature of uh, contracts and labels being involved sort of took precedent just for that period of time. But obviously I was always playing with Ludic and we were developing and growing together and writing and jamming. And then as that other band sort of came to an end uh, with Ludic, we started you know, doing more stuff together because we had more time and it made a lot of sense. And yeah, I mean, I've played with a lot of musicians over the years. I don't know if you want to even call them bands. Like, I played in a big band for a while at the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra School of Music, which was really fun. I don't know if you'd call that a band. Like, I've, I've played with a lot of musicians over the years. But, yeah, I guess this is, like, my third formal band. Well, no, that's not true. I take it back. There, there, are, a lot of, there are a lot of people, I guess, I've played with in, I guess you could call bands. I'm going to end the sentence here. <laughs> you did bring something up I wanted I don't want to dwell too much on it because you know we're, we're here talking about but about Ludic but you know as you as you'd mentioned uh Ayla you uh were in Calpurnia Indeed. uh featuring Finn Wolfhart who listeners might recognize from Stranger Things TV show the It film series and the next uh, Ghostbusters remake how did how did that band come together? I think that's because the band, you know, they're, they're not around anymore. The band ended, but they were, they got quite a bit of attention while they were around. Yeah. It was <laughs> really crazy experience to be part of through and through for so many different reasons. Uh, but that band sort of began because Finn, uh, was someone that I'd been playing music with for quite a while at that point, as well as Malcolm, who's the drummer. And then Jack, who's the bass player I mentioned earlier, played with me in that trio uh, all throughout school. And so I'd been jamming with all of these people kind of separately, I guess, though Finn and Malcolm together, and then obviously Jack separately through that other stuff. And then 
Finn wanted to start a band, essentially, and he was putting on a fundraiser for musicians in need of financial need, uh, or financial aid, rather. And yeah, through that, we just started playing together formally as a band. And then obviously, when you are someone of that stature in terms of celebrity, like a lot of other opportunities kind of follow suit very quickly, just as a result of being someone that a lot of people are sort of looking to for uh, a period of time because of their appearance in film and other media. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of like if um, Dogstar ever reunited. That was a band that Keanu Reeves played bass for. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, people are definitely always interested when, I guess you could say, a celebrity wants to try out the rock and roll thing. You know, like Johnny Depp has the... Is it the Hollywood Vampires? I believe it's called the Hollywood yeah. Vampires. You're right. Mm -hmm. Which has got a, a, a pretty star-studded lineup. I'm trying to remember who else is in that, but I think, like, someone from Aerosmith, someone right. from Alice Cooper's yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's true. I, I personally haven't listened to their music. Uh, I guess I will have to now that it's come up in conversation. Now <laughs> I guess I'm I have to have to now. We're all intrigued. Everybody, yeah. stream... Hollywood vampires. After they're done <laughs> listening to the live broadcast. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. First finish listening to this. If they're not watching the Super Bowl, which is the other right. thing that's going on right now. That's true. Competing for attention. Yes, against the you know, Super Bowl. <laughs> the biggest sporting event of the calendar year. It's true. <laughs> See if we can pull some folks away. Uh, each of you, as you mentioned previously, are multi-instrumentalists, though, of course, you're extremely proficient at the respective instruments you play for this band. Who are some of your favorite players for each of the instruments that you play, and how do they inspire you individually? Like, who's your favorite guitarists? Who's your favorite drummers? I'd ask Max who his favorite bassists are, but he's not here, obviously. Of course, yeah. Um, I think for me, my favorite drummer right now is Mark Juliana. Um, I like a lot of his different, like, approaches to looking at, like, subdivision and kind of, like, just how he approaches um, being creative around the kit. So I'd, I'd definitely say that would be my favorite drummer at the time. Who does right he uh, play for? The name rings a bell. Um, to be honest, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Red's just so into him on his own. Yeah, I mean, I I I, uh, I learned a lot of his stuff from like the book, a book that he is like published um, along with other books. But yeah, that's what I'm going through right now. So that's what's on my mind. Nice. Yeah. Is he like a? Is he more of a session guy or is he like a touring guy? Um, I think he's more touring. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's like of the likes of um, Mark Letary, kind of like big name musician in the in the scene. Yeah. That was a very good answer. And so, I think what I would say as far as guitar players are concerned, definitely Jimi Hendrix for me is kind of the epitome of everything I love about music and the guitar in particular. Just absolute musical hero. I love B.B. King, Wes Montgomery. Right now, I'm reading through 
a book that Joe Pass wrote just about jazz harmony and all that stuff, which is amazing, of course. And just as a player, obviously, he's stupid good. He was an incredible player. Uh, I think as far as modern players are concerned, people like Derek Trucks I love, Mark Lettieri, of course, just the most tasteful guy on the scene, amazing players. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I draw influence from so many people, uh, for sure, but I think those are guitar players that I listen to a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for Max, um, I can't speak for him fully, but uh, one of the bass players I know that he definitely likes and takes some in- inspiration from is Mono Neon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And Mono Neon's also an incredible guitar player. And no one sounds like him because he's just like one of the most unique musicians out there, but also he plays his guitar upside down. So whereas a lot of guitar players, if they're doing some sort of wailing solo, they'd be bending up on the higher strings. Mono Neon does that on all the lower strings. So it's like a totally different approach to playing. And obviously it's not like he's taking wailing solos in the 80s hair metal sense. It's all very groove oriented, super in the pocket, just like so funky. Amazing. It's like if George Clinton and Prince had a musical child. That's what he seems like to me. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, I got to listen to Tamano Neon. Yeah. That sounds crazy. Yeah, and his songs are crazy too. Like <laughs> He does not really care at all <laughs> about musical convention or what people think. And he just, some of the lyrics to his songs, are <laughs> it's, it's all really funny. And some of it's pretty offensively funny, but in a way that it's like satire and just really, really good stuff, you know? It's good stuff. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, gonna say like uh, uh, the Hendrix I definitely hear in your in your playing. Well, that yeah. is probably the greatest compliment I've ever received. I really appreciate that. If I can in any way emulate him, that is a good day. That's a great day. Yeah, for I, me. I'm a I I like Hendrix quite a bit myself. I have is uh, I think it's the Axis uh, album cover is like a poster in my room. Oh, amazing! That yeah. album cover is incredible. And actually, if I recall cor- correctly, the story of how it came to be is pretty funny. Uh, he, I believe, had indigenous roots, and so he wanted an album cover that kind of reflected that. Uh, but I think the artist misunderstood him and misinterpreted indigenous for Indian as in, you know, like, India. Yeah. India. And <laughs> He's so, like, no, I want American Indians. Like, yeah. oh, no, you said Indian. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, either way, the album cover is just outrageously good Yeah. in any case. But, yeah, funny story. Unless I'm wrong about it. But I think that's what I read somewhere. That also (laughs) might be my favorite experience album, just because, like, most people are like, are you experienced or Electric Ladyland? Right. I guess I I like Axis because it's a little bit more, it's a little shorter. But, like, even the the songs, like, even though they're they're briefer, they're just so good. Yeah, there's still, yeah, incredible songs on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Electric Ladyland, I'm still blown away with yeah. the production value on that record because I'm like, this was released in 69. How did they do any of this? It's like, mind-blowing. He definitely changed production and sound engineering forever, for sure. And just amazing. It's true. Yeah. You describe your sound as modern soul. Um, who are some of the bands and artists that you would cite as a source of influence for Ludic? 
Um, I would say for Lydic, the soul, and like the modern soul part, we take a lot of inspiration from Hiatus Coyote. Oh, yeah. Um, for sure. I think that's always one of the first bands we mention. Um, I think, yeah, like their songs, they have a lot of really interesting grooves and um, I guess progressions and stuff. I, I obviously know less about the progressions, but <laughs> um, I think it's all really complex stuff, but with like as much taste as you could imagine. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely the first band that I would, that comes to mind for me. Yeah. That, that's definitely the name that we've always sort of cited since the onset of Ludic and we probably will for the rest of time for sure. Yeah. And definitely yeah. a lot of fusion bands that bring in world influence. Like, I mean, Snarky Puppy, they do that a lot for sure. And Mono Neon, obviously not a band, but an artist, his stuff is very interesting. And take a lot of influence from that kind of crazy cool music. Mm-hmm. Who else? Uh, Nowhere is another really cool group that we like. Yeah. 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 With Lewis Cole and stuff, which is also a drummer I, I uh, admire a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's crazy good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think for like pop influence, uh, Ariana Grande does a lot of cool stuff, especially her recent album has um, some really... Uh, like interesting production and kind of has a really cool approach. And I think me and Max really enjoy that too. Yeah. I definitely love that stuff as well, though. It's funny upon reflection. I definitely think that Max and Rhett bring a lot more modern influence just because that's a lot more of what they listen to. And I think a lot of the influence I bring is more rooted in the classics. Like I definitely find myself listening to, 60s, 70s stuff the most. I mean, I love music from all eras, from very old chamber music to modern pop and rock and hip-hop and all of that. But yeah, definitely 60s, 70s, that's where my heart lies. And so, yeah, and, and all of us agree on a lot of people. Like Stevie Wonder, I know, is someone we all really look up to as a songwriter yeah. and artist and just person in general. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you can hopefully hear that in the music where it's it's kind of a a mix between the two, like, eras. Yeah, just, like, the past, but then also the present. And I, I guess, hopefully, combining a lot of what we love from all of the music that we love in such a way that it's kind of completely our own. And I guess also, in the act of trying to emulate people you love, just because you aren't them already, you're not going to sound like them completely. So, luckily because humans are often imperfect imitators, you end up taking what you love from musicians that you love, but then sort of appropriating it to become your own, but in a way that has your own kind of fingerprint on it. Hopefully, maybe, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, you want it to, there's nothing wrong with uh, wearing your influences on your sleeve, but you want to make sure you sound like like yourself. Oh, definitely, yeah. Because no one's going to ever be Stevie Wonder or be Jimi Hendrix and so there's no point in even trying so I think try to master your own sound because no one else could possibly sound more like you than you anyways so yeah and you know you mentioned Hendrix (laughs) Hendrix and we talked about talked about Prince briefly beforehand I think Prince is almost a a good example of that where like you can you can tell that Prince loved Hendrix but you you know the difference between a Hendrix song in a Prince song. <laughs> yeah, you know, the difference is definitely 
pretty noticeable, you know? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, obviously Prince is someone we really, really look up to as well. And I know Max and Rhett were sort of force-fed force Prince from yeah. a young age, which is, I, I think, no one's complaining. But. No, it was definitely a great thing. Every, every day driving to school, we, uh, we lived about half an hour away from school in the early days, and um, the whole ride was always always be Prince music. So, yeah, thanks to my, thanks to my mom and my dad. It, it really helped kind of develop, develop our tastes. They might have had to skip a few tracks on some of his albums, but... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Some racy stuff in there, you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> did we mention that Rhett and Max are brothers? I forget. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. Just in that case is... you don't know us in any way, they are brothers. Yeah. If you're wondering if that makes some more of the story make sense. Yeah. <laughs> not, not Ayla and Max, because people get that mixed up i understand they they do apparently i think some people hear that they're siblings in the band and they assume that max and i are which is funny and not true but it's maybe the blonde hair maybe i think yeah. it's the hair yeah. that's maybe that's thought. what it is mm-hmm. yeah. yeah there you go <laughs> you have a penchant for you know jamming as your recorded material and live shows feature extended instrumental passages what's the songwriting process like for the band well i think we tend to start with a melody or a chord progression sort of starting from there as the building blocks and then the groove sort of takes place and then the song further develops from there and then lyrics sort of come last but yeah i think all three of us are really interested just in songwriting first. And as much as it's amazing when people do incredible, musically difficult things in their music, I think we'd never want to do that unless it served the song. So I think it's, it's different for every song. It just sort of develops as we jam on it more. And as we grow as songwriters, the process changes a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I think it's always trying to see how far we can push ourselves musically while never sacrificing the song itself and, you know, the accessibility of it, but also the craftsmanship in the song. And yeah, it's all about the song, song first. It's all about serving what that song needs. Yeah. 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 I know Max also, he really enjoys, um, that like type of songwriting just thinking like oh what how can we make this really catchy and thinking um in terms of like what makes a really strong song is definitely always on his mind and he'd probably say that if he was here he definitely (laughs) would i'm sure yeah because i guess our thinking is at the end of the day uh actually i'm gonna sort of paraphrase something i heard quincy jones say which i think sort of says it all he said something along the lines of you could take you know the best singer in the world and have them sing on a not particularly well-written song and it still wouldn't be a good song but if you take someone who's not a very good singer and have them sing on the best song ever written you can make them a star you know not that it's about being a star or, or anything like that but essentially it doesn't really matter how musically incredible you are on your instrument if the song itself isn't good so I guess it's always song first and then if we're at a point in the songwriting where we're like you know what it feels like the song needs some sort of funky little guitar solo then maybe we'll do that but 
yeah, it's never built around showing off any sort of musicality, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I guess, uh, to speak to my own listening habits, it's kind of like how I enjoy punk music, and I also enjoy prog rock. And yeah. they're both coming from very different schools of thought in terms of, like, no, it's about simplicity and being direct. Like, no, it's about doing everything. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah, I, I find that sometimes in one sitting, listening to music, I'll go from punk to weird 60s art pop to, like, 40s bebop swing band stuff. And, you know, it's it's... There's room for all of that music, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, all the singles that you've released so far, I hope I'm correct about this, uh, have <laughs> been recorded at Max and Rhett's home studio. Uh, I'm, uh, am I wrong about that? Well, you're partially right, okay. as you could say. Because originally we were <laughs> intending to do that. And oh, right, yeah. Yeah, we actually sort of started recording My Love, which is the first single we ever put out at their home, uh, and we totally had the intention to do that, but then an amazing producer came along. Yeah, Ryan Worsley, um, he came along and had, like, he offered to to produce our stuff and um, have us record at his studio, Echo Plant. Um, and, yeah, like, he's really helped us with all our all our songs, and so far all the ones that have been released have been produced by him. And, yeah. yeah, also recorded at Echo Plant. Yeah, he, I think, is the perfect person. And it's so serendipitous, and we're so lucky that he came along because obviously it can be difficult when you get into the process of working with someone and then in hindsight realize that maybe they weren't the best person for your music, but the experience has been so completely the opposite of that where he has really helped us just completely create the music that we had the intention to create and and then some. You know, he's incredible at what he does and actually just got nominated for a Juno, which is crazy, uh, Recording Engineer of the Year. And yeah, it's crazy because uh, our song, To Myself, is one of the songs that was nominated uh, through his work. And Yeah, yeah he, he submitted... Um two songs and and decided to choose one of ours so that was really nice yeah oh we love ryan thank you ryan ryan, ryan. <laughs> it's almost like you're peeking at my script or something but i don't have a script <laughs> oh, no, it's all not. off the top of my head wow <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah and uh i guess kind of kind of on that note because I, I did have a whole question about working with ryan but you you kind of kind of answered my question about working oh, with ryan oh um, excellent yeah so kind of shifting gears a, a little bit uh for anyone who was listening prior to that song on the live broadcast, um, the band prides itself on being the creative directors and visionaries of every element of the image and presentation of the group. What's your dynamic like as creative uh, partners? And do you each have like designated roles in terms of who handles what? Hmm. Uh, Uh, Big question. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if we've ever really designated roles. It's just sort of, whatever works, works. And I think we've sort of fallen into usually doing certain roles that just sort of play to our strengths like as creative people, I guess. Uh, and yeah, we definitely like to have not full creative control of everything, but I think that we 
have such a defined idea of how all of the artistic stuff we do ties together and just it naturally works that when we have an idea for a song naturally there's kind of an idea for a video or how we want to portray the song aesthetically when we post about it on social media because you know that's part of the game now in 2020 Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah like uh i think um I really value, and I, I think all of us really value, like the visual aspect of, of the band and um, just keeping in, like something cohesive uh, that's being presented is like really important. So when you look at our Instagram, you already have an idea of like, okay, I know what this band is about because of these certain visual aspects. Yeah. Yeah, because we're all really interested in all aspects of art, I think, and you know, fashion, from fashion to, like, the visual aesthetic used to promote a song to a music video, the actual song itself, and how all of that ties together, and, yeah, I I think art, obviously, is a very broad way to describe all of these other artistic mediums that fit within that, and we definitely all, we appreciate all forms of art, for sure. Yeah, and we're also lucky to be able to work with people that help us with things such as the music video or the cover art we often work with ronnie uh ronnie may baker oh yes we do and she's sitting right behind us in the studio right now hi ronnie (laughs) yeah yeah and uh nina chen for the for the album art so or the single art so yeah yeah Yeah, and uh zachary vague also a wonderful videographer and we've just been so lucky to have been able to start assembling this team of people that are both incredibly wonderful people and also just true visionaries in what they do and are just incredible at their craft and yeah so lucky that these people have been able to sort of hop on our team as well and yeah the dynamic I think couldn't be better and just from my experience worth working with Max and Rhett is amazing because they're I mean it's all a testament to how great people how great of people they are and (laughs) that they're just amazing at what they do you know as artists too and yeah it's so lucky to have been able to find all of these people yeah well thank you as we are as well (laughs) thanks right and speaking of videos i got a i got a hot tip that you have a new video coming out pretty soon yeah that's true um we just posted uh few promos on our instagram i think monday is what we're planning on so. indeed yeah so tomorrow from this exact second that we're speaking 534 <laughs> pst that's not yeah you know what tomorrow uh now that you have said that i'm very embarrassed i didn't think you would <laughs> embarrass me like this i'm kidding <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah tomorrow at noon o'clock and this has nothing to do with anything, but I think it's so cool that it's a palindrome day today. The first palindrome day in 909 years. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Whoa. It's like uh, 0202. Oh, two yeah, zero, okay. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I, I had to think about that for a second. It was just like the, the, the zero 02 year, but no, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, yeah, palindrome. There we go. Got it, yeah. Just like the word race car. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. 
I think so. Yeah, yeah. There what, you go. When I was in <laughs> high school, I was listening to listening to being a little bit of a metalhead. I thought it was really cool when it was the sixth day of June <laughs> in 2006. So it was six six six. Oh man! Oh, was, yeah, yeah. Like, that was a great yeah. day for metal. Ooh. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, we made it so far, everybody. <laughs> I think like I think one of the radio stations yeah. was like it's official Slayer Day. Yeah. Go hard. <laughs> yeah, great. It was raining blood on that day. <laughs> uh, where do I tr- out uh, Slayer? Uh, <laughs> Slayer, everybody. Mm-hmm. When the band, you know, not if, but when the band gets to the point where you get signed to a label, because I believe in you guys. Uh, hey, thank you. Do you see yourself in a scenario in which you'd allow a third party to manage certain elements of your image, like managing your social media, for example, or would you want to keep a handle on all of that? That's a really interesting question. Um, I think, well, right now, I think that's not 100% certain, but um, I think we take a lot of, we put a lot of importance on being personal with how we like present ourselves online and to like anywhere at our shows and um, anything we do. And I think uh, we would, even if it were to get to the point where some things were being managed in, in terms of social media, we would always kind of have a lot of influence in what happens and have our own personalities always come through. Yeah, I definitely think in all the people that we've started working with and I think all the people that will hopefully work with in the future, I believe sort of having things set up as a constant dialogue as opposed to you know, not always knowing what's going on and not knowing who's in control of what and what they're doing and what their motives are and if they totally understand what it's all about or what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I I think if we got to the point where we were working with a label and we thought it was the right time to be working with a label, we would definitely be working with them on the condition that, you know, we know what they can help us with, you know, things that we can't do ourselves that they'd be able to offer us. And I think ultimately the creative direction always has and will come from us, you know, just because everything we do is very much from a genuine place and love of art. And I think definitely always looking to other people's expertise because there are people who know things that you don't, people that see things that you don't, who are incredible at what they do and trying to learn from them and see if through conversation we and whoever we're working with come up with uh, an artistic direction that works well for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. That was a good answer. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ayla, you have your own YouTube channel where you share uh, guitar and bass covers, and you currently have... Last I checked, 127,000 followers, which is pretty oh, cool. Oh, I actually didn't know that. I haven't checked <laughs> a little bit. Well, it's cool. Yeah, and you've also done some instructional videos for the Guitar Lessons channel. True. How yeah. has you know, that particular web presence helped to promote the band? Mm. Well, astronomically so, I'd say, uh, because obviously it's a tough industry, and I think the world we're living in now is so very different from the way things were even a decade ago. And there are a lot of really talented 
people out there. But unfortunately, it's not just about the art. You know, the, there's the business part of it as well. And I guess nowadays, creating a presence online is kind of, in a sense, building a business. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I definitely could be doing so much more with my YouTube. I only have a few videos on there. But it's definitely a platform I'm very grateful to have and that I think I will continue using in the future and hopefully some of those people become fans of me and then as a result are interested in Ludic and become fans of the band too. That would be amazing. And yeah, I think putting yourself out there as much as possible, it's kind of like creating luck and luck is something that can be generated by, I think, trying to knock on as many doors as possible or put yourself in the position to be seen as much as possible. Uh, and yeah, also the guitar lesson stuff, it helps for that, absolutely. Though obviously it's very much coming from a place of wanting to hopefully educate even one person out there if they happen to come across a video and be like, ah, that's so cool. I had not known about that little musical idea you just talked about in your video, to which I'd say, I'm so happy that you learned something from what I said. And yeah, I've always loved teaching, for sure. It's something I want to do more of in the future, and I, I will be doing more of in the future. So anyways, yes. <laughs> and speaking of putting yourself out there and doing other things adjacent to the band, uh, Max and Rhett also play for the Jazz Pop Quartet. The Escapes, who uh, Pacific Sound Radio, yeah, Pacific Sound Radio, <laughs> featured as part of the Snug Concert series. How do you guys juggle playing in multiple bands? Obviously, right? You can only speak for yourself, but right, um, yeah. So for the Escapes, it's there are five players in that. Um, Whoops, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but yeah, so there's five of us in the Escapes, and obviously three in Lydic. And I think like juggling between both bands, it's it's a matter of just like making sure what needs to get done for those, both of those bands are getting done at the same time and, or not at the same time, but as they need to get done. And I think, um, at times it can be, it can feel overwhelming as my brother and I also are also, uh, taking business at SFU. So, um, sometimes it can feel overwhelming with, with, uh, keeping focused, oh, we have to do these social media posts or we should think about what days we need to record a song. Um, but it all kind of works out, especially when you have other people helping out and like every other member in, in both of the bands, like each does their part. And I think just as long as there's a balance, we can kind of get through it and yeah. Good stuff. So the band has released about five singles to date with plans, I understand, to release your first full-length album hopefully this year. Um, yes, this is true. Yeah, what's the record, recording process entailed? Well, I just have to say that was really nice. There was a man who was walking outside the window, and he just gave a very nice wave, and I really liked that. that but, nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's sort of been in bits and pieces over the past little while. Like, we recorded our first single all the way back in the end of 2018. So it's been, you know, a process that's been drawn out for numerous reasons. 
though that's not necessarily a bad thing at all because there's something very coherent, sorry, not coherent, cohesive about all of the songs that we've been writing for this record. And yeah, we're almost done. We only have a few songs left. We were just in the studio this past week. We'll be in the studio in February to get the rest of the songs done. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. It's just been a, like finding time where we can and, and going in for a few days at a time and pushing out a song or two. And yeah, like the creative process in the studio is very like, it's a very positive thing, as we mentioned with Ryan. And yeah. yeah. I mean, truthfully, it's probably one of my, f- or it is my favorite part of just music in general, just the creation of a song and bringing it to life like that. And being in the studio with Max and Rhett and Ryan and Matt, the sound engineer who's there most of the time, and all of the amazing people who work at the studio, Dave. It's just, it's the most positive recording experience I've had by far, and everyone's so willing to try out experimental ideas and just keep pushing the song as much as possible and pushing ourselves, and it's really fun because we get to incorporate our love of spontaneity in music and playing live, so we start by recording all the bed tracks live, the three of us uh, sitting in a room playing through. And then from there, we just obviously add all the other layers and find ourselves adding things to the song that we never anticipated we would. And it ends up taking form in a way that we never really thought it would in the best way possible. And it's amazing, amazing experience. For sure. Yeah. And a Debut LP can be a mission statement of sorts. What sort of impression do you want to give listeners with this first full-length release? Hmm. Lots of love and good vibes in there, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, well, I think, like, for Lytic, we we do put a lot of emphasis, I think, on positivity um, where we can. And I think that also comes through with our personalities. We want to come off as like as positive people and, and, um, uh, like having fun a lot of the time. And I think with the album that would probably, with the first album, that would probably be pretty apparent that kind of idea. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think the album and the songs that we've picked for the album are really, I think a pretty perfect first representation of where we are now and where we have potential to grow in the future. And a lot of the songs touch on many different areas of our influence and the music that we love. And to me, it definitely feels very much like a love letter to the music that we really appreciate and love deeply. So hopefully that comes across to the listeners. Yeah, I think that's a good, a good way to put it. Thanks, Rhett. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and what do you have planned to promote the album? Oh, we're going to put a huge billboard right in the middle of downtown Vancouver. That's not true. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think social media, without a doubt, is a platform to promote music nowadays, more so than ever before. And... We definitely have a lot of fun with 
trying to promote on there and also connect with the people that listen to our music. And yeah, I, I think the inspiration will strike when the time comes, but we already have some ideas. I, I definitely incorporating our personalities and some humor and good vibes, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think social media is definitely, uh, the best platform for us at the moment. Um, but yeah, probably what on, I don't know. We haven't really discussed that part yet. Yeah. Like the, the specific promotion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I guess it's, it's coming up, but it's still a little while away. And as far as our checklist of things to do is concerned, it's a little further down just because we have other things to do first, such as finish the songs and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, release a few more singles and then, yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And I think when you sort of plant the seeds of this is something we're going to have to figure out how to do your subconscious mind gets to work. So I'm hoping by the time we get there, my subconscious brain will have a great idea waiting there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Do you have a rough idea of when listeners can get the chance to listen to the record? Let's say sometime in the late spring, summer. Yeah, I don't know. I think so. <laughs> Let's say maybe. And to throw them off, we'll also say it could be tomorrow. It could also be in the fall. It could also be in 2021 or 2022. So that's when you <laughs> can expect <laughs> our first album. Just so long as go. it doesn't turn into a Chinese democracy <laughs> Oh, boy. And uh, let's just say that album did not deliver after. <laughs> no, no, it did not. No hate to GNR. Their debut record is absolutely iconic. The fact that they had so many rock and roll bangers on that album, it's astounding. They <laughs> are actually responsible for, I think, one of the biggest splashes of a debut album in the past few decades, for sure. Oh, yeah. So, no hate to them. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm the street's, Yeah, the jury's still out for me as to whether or not the new Tool album was worth the wait, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, you know, I, as soon as you were talking about long, drawn-out, awaited releases, Tool was the first band that came to mind. Yeah. I did see a few billboards for the new Tool album back when I was in L.A. a few months ago. So that's where, of course, I got the inspiration for our huge big billboard that we're going to put in all downtown cities in the United States. <laughs> Once we get the funding. That's not... I'm sorry. I don't know why I keep saying that. That's just not true. Well, it's because it looks cool. <laughs> it does look cool. Mm-hmm. That, that is uh, a goal for one day, just for the sake of it. I don't even know whether or not that would be the best decision from a business perspective. I think just for myself, I'd love to say that I have a huge billboard in a major city somewhere. That's true. Well, well maybe by then billboards won't be around. There'd be something new. Well, huge like, iPhones. Uh, yeah, massive iPhones. <laughs> well, there is there is a video billboard in uh, actually that I, uh, I work in or buy off of uh, Granville and Robson. I want to say yeah. it's above the Best Buy. Right. Yeah. That's the best place. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather see Ludic album ads than <laughs> ads for movies and TV shows that I don't want to get in trouble for making fun of. But oh, well, that's nice of you to say. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh, uh, you know. Um. So besides promoting and releasing your debut record and obviously with music videos and all that fun stuff coming up, what else does the band have lined up for 2020? Do you have any tour plans? Yeah, I think we're uh, looking at 
touring somewhere in the U.S. Uh, in May? Indeed, yeah. yeah. We, we definitely have some stuff in the works kind of in the southeastern area, which is not where we, I think, originally were planning to do our first tour, but then certain opportunities for festivals and other venues kind of came up and it makes sense to get down there. Uh, we definitely, I mean, that's not going to be our only tour, you know, knock on wood, just because my mom always tells me to when you throw out statements like that. But I mean, <laughs> I'm sure we'll, we'll be touring all over as much as we can as soon as possible. But yeah, definitely some touring in the works. Yeah, very exciting. And I think North Carolina is one of the places. That's what's True. on my mind right now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's and just throw it out there. North Carolina. Yeah, there you go. Um, and we also were looking at shows um, sometime probably in the fall uh, around here. We're looking at possibly playing with um, Mark Latieri Mark, yeah, Mark and Lettieri. his really amazing trio, who I was so honored to have been able to jam with like last week. It was crazy. But yeah, that hopefully will be a really cool thing that comes up. Very excited. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think just due to the nature of the way the music industry works and also the way time works when a lot of unpredictable things can come up over certain periods of time. Like unpredictable I mean, noises? Yeah, exactly. Sure. I have like no a idea what that chair rolling across the floor, perhaps, or Bohemian Rhapsody yes. blasting through the speakers for four seconds and then stopping. Wow. Uh, like those things. It's very possible certain opportunities will come up, and we don't know. And it's really exciting to see if and when those kinds of opportunities come up for Ludic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we often will try to take those as much as we can. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. So uh, how can listeners check out your music and keep up with everything Ludic is up to? Uh, follow our Instagram primarily, uh, Ludic Official. And Ayla's Instagram, which is Ayla Tessarmabe. It's true. Those are the two places that we're like definitely the most active on and our music's on like Spotify, Apple Music, um, YouTube. Uh, other streaming services. Yeah, all them. Yeah. 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 So that's and like the main place. I mean, if you really want to, you could listen to a song once and then just sing it for yourself so then you never have to listen to it again <laughs> and you can just you know listen that's right yeah that, that's a that's an interesting way to listen to music i don't know how many people do that though obviously if you want to keep coming back to our music and streaming it and you know we'd appreciate that too of course you know we wouldn't say no to <laughs> more streaming numbers but why why am i saying this i don't know this is an interesting sentence that i'm continuing <laughs> and yeah I, I think rat covered it period there you go. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah it's I'm been looking, wonderful. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to hearing that album when it finally comes out, hopefully thank this you. year. Yeah. yeah. I would say so. He would. Red I would, would say so. And if he I, did. If I did. If I did. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. All right. And thanks for listening. We're your host, James Olson. And Travis Noel. Travis, how can... <laughs> swing the mics around uh how can uh listeners check out what we're doing what we're up to 
all that fun stuff. You can check us out on Facebook, Pacific Sound Radio, as well as our Instagram at Pacific Sound Radio, Twitter at Pacific S Radio, YouTube, Pacific Sound Media, as well as our website, PacificSoundRadio.com. If you know a local band or artist that you think should appear as guests on our show, let us know. Fill out the form on our website or send us an email to talkpsr at gmail.com. 